Dear Founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm super excited about today's episode and about today's guest. I've been following their company essentially since it started. I I saw one of their first units, and you'll know what I mean in a couple minutes, in the Portland airport years ago when I was traveling for work at Bump Club. And you have to remember that you know I spent a dozen years working in the parenting space, supporting parents and parents to be in every way possible. And as you can imagine, breastfeeding was a really hot topic of conversation. But not only were we there to make sure that our community members felt supported on breastfeeding, we made sure that they felt like they had all the resources that they need to not only do it successfully, but to stop if they wanted to or when they wanted to. It was very important to me that our community felt that they had all the resources to make the choices that best worked for them. It's incredibly significant that we're dropping today's episode on August 2nd because yesterday started National Breastfeeding Month and also this week is World Breastfeeding Week. So I'm incredibly excited to have Sasha Mayer here today. She's the Chief Executive Officer and the co-founder of Mamava. Mamava is the creator of freestanding lactation spaces for breastfeeding on the go. You've definitely seen them in stadiums, airports, maybe subway stations. Sasha is a recognized expert on lactation space design, family-friendly workplace policies, and social entrepreneurial leadership. Mamava's mission is simple. It's to create a healthier society through infrastructure and support for breastfeeding. They make breastfeeding pods. They have a digital app to locate and access their lactation pods and other lactation spaces across the country. They also do corporate consulting on lactation policy, programming, and planning. I'm really excited for you to meet today's guest. Please come on in and meet Sasha Mayer. All right, welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Today we have someone very unique and special on the podcast because I have been aware of what she's been doing for a very long time from my past life in the parenting space and also in awe of what she's done um, and how far she has taken her business and how much she has supported parents and moms. And I I am just so excited to have co-founder and CEO Sasha Mayer of Mamava here today. Um, So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Lindsay. And, you know, I really, I, I want to get started by having you explain to the audience, not just how you got started, but also what Mamava is for those who do not know. Sure. I'll start with what we are. So uh, we are a freestanding lactation suite um, for breastfeeding people that you may have seen in the world. Um, most people have seen us in airports or other public locations. 
Uh, but actually, most of our pods have been placed in private businesses um, to support moms when they return to work and um, need a private place that's designed specifically for using a breast pump. And we have a digital platform, which is a mobile app that allows people to find our pods and about 5,000 other lactation rooms around the country that um, then um, once they are found, there is a um, smart lock on the units that enable access. It's all free, but it's just a way that we can kind of control and manage um, access to the units to make sure that only breastfeeding parents um, are using them. So smart. And how did, I mean, how did you come up with this idea? How did this get started? I, I know it is a very, you provide a very necessary service. And when you just brought, when you were just bringing up the um, returning to work, I remember returning from my corporate job um, to my corporate job from maternity leave. I had started Bump Club, but I was still at Hearst and I was breastfeeding or I was pumping rather in a conference room that people like ate luncheon and there was paper on the windows. And, you know, if you forgot to lock the door, someone was bound to come in. And I think so many women definitely in my generation and before me and probably many now have those stories. So I'm excited to hear how this came to fruition. Yeah. So it, like all um, great entrepreneurial stories, it you know, came from personal experience and wanting to solve a problem. Um, I worked for a design agency and had to travel for work and wanted also to be um, a breastfeeding mom um, after I had my kids. So when I um, left my private office, I was really lucky. I had a, a door that I could lock and pump in but I was on the road a lot going out to visit clients or go to conferences. And I was constantly using my breast pump in restrooms. I mean, that's just a fact. It's something that's, you know, logistically kind of complicated. You got to plug in parts, you have to attach an apparatus to your body. So um, it's something you kind of got to do in private. And you also have to be in the right headspace to make it productive. There's a thing called letdown where you have to sort of emotionally be in tune as well. So because I um, was working for a design company, um, very long story short, I was able to essentially incubate the idea while doing my day job. And my co-founder was also a colleague um, in the design firm, had kind of the left brain to my right brain. And when we were in slow periods in between client work, we spent a little time, you know, what should this brand be? How can we use design intentionally to solve this problem? And that's really where it came about. And because we were um, brand people, we honestly had a logo. We had the design brief. We had, I think we maybe even had brand values before we even had a product. And that came later when we were, um, had a brief that could go out and uh, collaborate with some industrial designers to actually bring the product to life. How did you come up with the product? Because when you, I mean, when you think about it, you you wanted to obviously support breastfeeding women, and that was your goal. But there are so many ways that you can do that. And this was tr this what you have done is truly an innovation in the space, and you have revolutionized the way that women can go out and pump. And I and I, how did you get there? You know, what, but do you know what I mean? Like, why not like 
a website or an app that like helped, you know what I mean? Like it could have yeah, been, you know what? You know? I think it really was um, something that bothered me. and was urgent with me was the invisibility of this human function that a great many of our population <laughs> do. So, and that was fundamental to human <clears throat> survival. So we have designed for literally everything. And the fact that there was, no design around this thing that so many um, uh, people do and that sustains human life. That's what really um, that motivated and um, got me started on it. Um, and that this belief that design can solve real world problems. So how you come up with this idea, you have this concept, where did you take it first? And I mean, I saw it in the airports first is, is definitely where I saw it in person first, but I, I heard about it obviously through the industry um, because I was in the industry for so long, but how did you take it from design and concept to like an actual room that you put in and install in places around the country? Sure. So the pain point of the airport was very real and tangible. And I think we also had an idea that the um, airports can create these beautiful pollinators because that so many people see them and they're high traffic and they're a place where you're kind of paying attention. They're not a place you spend a lot of time in. So when you go, you're kind of, uh, heightened awareness of how, um, that experience is designed. So, uh, that was pretty deliberate to find an airport. And we found one in our local airport of Burlington, Vermont, where we're based, um, that was friendly enough to in 2013, which is about two years before we really even formed the business. But because um, we were uh, generating so much interest, even from that small little installation in a very localized market, we realized that there was a there there. <laughs> and then we um, navigated our way into other airports. First, um, actually, an airport in, in Milwaukee. Um, General Mitchell Airport, and then the New York City airports. And how we did that, because we didn't have any money at that time, is we convinced brand sponsors, in um, the case of the New York City Airport's seventh generation, also a local business with a uh, very mission, uh, strong mission orientation. And um, basically, first we had to convince the airports, <laughs> and then we could say, like, you're going to solve a problem. And everybody's going to love you for it. You're going to get good press for it. And guess what? You don't have to spend any money on it because we persuaded this brand to put their graphics on our units and we'll take care of it from there. So it was uh, definitely one of those entrepreneurial fake it till you make it. <laughs> um, and, and because those are such high traffic, high um, important for building awareness, that kind of created the foundation to advertise the whole concept as well. So initially when you had the prototype, I mean, I, I definitely found out about this in 2013 and you, you just said we had no money. How did you get the word out and generate interest? Or was it something that happened very naturally because people are very passionate in, in our space and in this space, women, moms are very passionate about helping each other and letting people know, was it something that went viral and snowballed from there? How did it work? Yeah, absolutely. So that first unit, I remember, I think it was Labor Day, which is appropriate, um, in 2013, um, our local paper, paper was uh, Gannett paper, and it got picked up to go national, international. 
um, for USA Today. And we, you know, honestly, we were still working at the design studio. We did until 2015. And then we were um, not even prepared to receive calls, you know, so we kind of had a little website and maybe a phone number on it. And I would like pick it up if I didn't know. And there'd be all these people that were were interested in it. Um, So it really, it started there. And um, it was absolutely then those moms who heard about it, who would then, uh, we harnessed ultimately as we built the business said, if your airport or your employer does not have um, breastfeeding accommodations, we're the solve, go and advocate for this. And by the way, here's a toolkit, which we actually had on our website um, of, you know, form letters to be sent to facilities, of how to talk to your employer about breastfeeding. And so um, wrangling and rallying those moms has been a big part of our growth for sure. We're going to get to your community in a second, but I want you to tell the listeners where you are now. So you had the one prototype in Burlington in 2013 and how many units do you have now? And where are you other than airports and offices? Like where's the most unique place you guys are? Sure. So one of the challenges uh, uh, and the greatest thing about Mama Va that I don't think we really honestly were prepared for was that moms go everywhere. So this solution is needed everywhere. And because we're mission oriented, we say yes everywhere. So one of our earliest installs was Fenway Park, you know, a hundred year old semi mostly outdoor ballpark and figuring out how to put a unit there. We have, um, I believe around 3,500 units across the country. We operate really mostly in the U.S. And they, uh, for instance, we have um, around 20 units in Los Alamos National Laboratories. Uh, Air Force bases, hospitals, um, elementary schools, uh, laboratories. Uh, We have a ton actually in distribution centers. Obviously, so many people um, are relying on on their Amazon accounts and what have you. So, um, in, in large distribution warehouses, uh, anywhere um, people work really is is where they found, which has been an interesting challenge because all of those um, channels take different types of expertise to sell into and to service into. Um, but our mission is always to say yes because we are thinking about that person who is not being supported on the on the user end of the business. I just want to take a minute to say thank you. In just a few short months, this podcast has reached some incredible milestones, namely helping so many of you. From founding, growing, and selling my first company, and now helping others to do the same, so many of you trust me right here on the podcast, but also through my classes, my one-on-one programs, and my social media. Your belief in me is so appreciated, and now I can help you to grow your own personal brand or your company's community through content, social media, partnerships, email, collaborations, and more. Just click the link in the show notes and fill out the form. Grab 30 minutes with me. We can chat, connect. I'd love to get to know you and your business and perhaps even have the chance to work with you. Thanks so much for being here. So let's talk a little bit about your business model because it obviously is a B2B model, but you are serving a B2C solution. So, which I, and I love that it's free. I I love it. I think that you know, there, there is no reason why a breastfeeding mom should have to pay to pump somewhere. And so I, but I love that you took that Avenue and it should be on the employer to provide the facilities to their employees. 
Um, but I'd love to hear a little bit about that model and how you created it and how, like, how does an employer get it into their space and like, what does that take and what is the process? Sure. As I shared in the beginning, we thought there could be a model around getting sponsors to underwrite in high traffic locations. But as we know, out of home media is is sort of a dying business and, you know, very complex to sell into. So um, essentially now it's uh, it's B2B. Our customers buy and install the units um, with and without service plans. Uh, we do have an installer offering as well, but our units are pretty easy to put together. So um, there's a mix uh, of that. And um, we have the mobile app, which is just um, a great for our positioning and differentiator into improving the experience. So it's um, more than just a room. Um, and it's really easy for our customers to adopt our solution versus, you know, either furnishing a room that they already have and figuring it out how to set it up and not having the right locks or the chair or the plug in the proper space or building something. It's just, uh, you know, order from us in four to six weeks, you can have the problem installed and solved. And um, that's really the, the value prop for the customer. When did you make the decision to go to that kind of model? Like what was the moment that you were like, okay, like the sponsorship isn't going to work. And seventh generation is an amazing partner. We, I partnered with them as well at bump club and they are so supportive of families. And so I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned them as well and that they were supportive in this, you know, endeavor, especially early on and helped you guys get off the ground. But what was that moment, you know, that you were like, okay, like this really should be on the, on the business to buy it. Well, a lot of what has driven the growth of our company has been compliance. So when we first um, started out, there was the Fair Labor Standards Act, which um, mandates that most employers um, provide a designated place um, for a mom to to pump, Um, but not all. And uh, as more businesses were made aware of that and even um, richer types of legislation were added in, on a state and um, local level, then it became a, um, a compliance kind of solution. And so employers had to have something and uh, we were there you know, with the offering and, and ready for that. Do you find that most of your business comes from inbound you know, people calling you and saying, we want it? Or do you have a dedicated sales team that goes out and sells your product? We do have a dedicated sales team. And again, because it's so different to sell into healthcare versus education and so on and so forth. Um, But if you need it, you need it. So it's a pretty hard um, uh, product to, to market in terms of how we think of digital marketing these days. You're sort of threading this needle, like everybody needs a pair of shoes and uh, uh, in terms of a a direct-to-consumer type. So we're still figuring that out. Most of our successful leads have been inbound, um, but uh, we we do work both ways, but... Again, it's like you, it's one of those things. If you don't know you need it, it's it's pretty hard to convince someone to to get it. This might be an odd question, and I and I should know this, but I guess I don't. Do you have any competitors? Is there a patent on this? Like, how does that work? Uh, good question. There are some folks that have been uh, 
making um, cubicles that especially in the era of offices kind of closing down and retail changing, saying, oh, we can turn our cubicle into a lactation room. But they don't have um, the intentional design that ours has in terms of the um, the outlets, the way the um, units are designed on the interior, the way you can modify lighting in the fan, the, the lock and the digital interface. So um, having a patent on a space is pretty difficult. We do have design patents, so nobody could make a pod that looked like ours. <laughs> but, you know, uh, we've been pretty lucky that we have um, d- dominated the category we created. And it's, a lot of it is that combination of the, the digital complementing the, uh, the space itself. So let's talk a little bit about the digital and about your end user. Like how, how have you found it best to let them know about your service and what you offer? And, you know, we talked a lot about you, you mentioned before, okay, we want people to advocate for themselves in the workplace and, and ask for this. But then you also have, you know, just general breastfeeding moms who just, they need a place to breastfeed. So how do you let them know? And like, I know from being in this space, like you are talking to the best word of mouth marketers. So I'm certain that a lot of it comes from there. But is there like a plan? Do you have like a marketing team that that deals with going out and letting these people know? Do you do digital advertising? How do, How is that structured? Yeah, we do all of that. And again, as um, a young company, figuring out how to resource both ends of it, because we have, you know, imagine the person who's responsible for the facilities purchases is very usually demographically different from that end user mom. It's like a guy who's solving a problem in a facility that Uh, He's responsible for taking care of. And so marketing and providing a solution for him is a very different conversation, digital or otherwise, than it is um, for that mom. And it has been a challenge to want to build that mom audience so we are in her pocket on her phone before she needs us. That is one of the hardest things because there is no revenue, you know, from her. and. the revenue has to come from from getting the, those pod sales. Um, positively, social media for mom. Um, and what's interesting in the digital age is that we onboard moms because they see us. There's a QR code on the app, on the units themselves. They download the app and they're up and running. And then they're in our network. They can find the next room. They can find the next Mama Va pod. Um, and as you can imagine, with the shutdown during the pandemic, uh, the <laughs> relying on that uh, was a major challenge. Again, relying on moms, uh, you know, with a world that where people were not traveling um, in the same way or go, even going to offices, you know, really uh, affected both ends of our business. I would imagine, though, that <clears throat> now that things are opening back up again your product has more relevance than ever before because people want a sterile, clean environment to be breastfeeding. Like people don't want to be doing this in a bathroom. I mean, no one wanted to do it in a bathroom before the pandemic, but now there's this whole level of germs that are, you know, associated with being out in public. And this provides a space where like you can chill for a minute. That's not a gross bathroom. And it, I think it just has more relevance than ever. Right. 
Absolutely. More relevance. And in that time, you know, the fleet gets larger. So it becomes more of uh, an identified um, piece of infrastructure. So more and more moms just know us, even if they don't haven't used us before. Um, you know, there are new parents that come into the world every day, just as there's new babies. And so, uh, happily that relevance is still there. And even let's say if um, a parent is just going back to work one or two days a week, if they're breastfeeding, they still need a space to do it one or two days a week. So that has alleviated my concerns. I thought, you know, the world's being reinvented and there's a lot of really positive things that have come out of, uh, reshaping what, you know, parents need in a, in a post pandemic era, we've learned a lot and they still need this for sure. Do you provide resources through the app? And I apologize. I'm, I don't have the app because I'm not in your demographic anymore. My kids are eight and 11 and I, w- I thoroughly wish that this had been around when my kids were born. Do you provide resources in the app that um, support, like help support breastfeeding moms just in general? Like, I mean, do you have content? Like, what is your content play like? Yes. And so I should have go back to that too. So in the beginning, knowing how important moms were, we, we had put a ton against content for moms. Um, we've backed off a little bit on that, but a lot of that is evergreen. So absolutely all of the things about traveling as a breastfeeding person, um, going, um, back to work, um, we have content around what are the best holds for breastfeeding. We have, um, laws that you should be aware of as a breastfeeding. So that's all um, access through the app. Also the website. Um, we have a feature on the app, which is my favorite because um, it kind of keeps me going on those hard days is called words of support. So moms who have used our pods or just maybe hanging out in the app can like leave a message for another mom and then you can um, comment on it. And um, it's really meant to go back to that idea of feeling seen, you know, when I was breastfeeding, I know many people feel this way. It feels like an invisible third job. Like you have your job with your uh, employer, you have your home life, and then you have this like needing to make food all day long, essentially for this little human. And it feels like um, maybe no one else has ever done that before. So it's a really great place for other moms to support, for mom, mom, mom supporting each other and, and parents supporting each other um, on this very distinct part of their uh, parenting journey. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. 
The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. And I asked that question just out of also like sheer affinity because the way that I had built Bump Club was very similar to how you built Mamaba. I mean, I you know, I had two sets of clients too. We were servicing companies. Our clients were, you know, wanted events and activations from us, but we needed to keep the community up because those were the people that were going to the events. And so part of the reason I ask about the content is um, I am a firm believer and I, and I'm, I want to know if you feel this way about the content you're putting out there. I am a firm believer in servicing your community and providing them with the resources and the content to just get them to think of your brand when they think of what it is that you stand for. And ultimately that translates to users. Of course, in your case, and in a lot of the cases with Bump Club, the, the end user was not paying, but you need that community or else there's no product, right? Absolutely. And um, there's sometimes been an interesting long tail from a mom who has advocated for herself at her employer that's turned into a big piece of enterprise business, right? So I always say, it's like, we might be focusing on this one thing, but we have to cultivate and be relevant for parents because literally I could name some major accounts that came down to one mom being a squeaky wheel (laughs) and tracking back all the way to the highest level of an organization and being a big... um, chunk of business for us. And, and that's what it's all about. Like, you know, at the heart of, of the why is, is, are the moms themselves and then solving this problem. And don't you feel, I mean, moms are so passionate. So at the end of the day, like your community works for you without even you employing them. Yeah. Positively. You know, and, I mean, yeah. And, and it's you just showing up and servicing them and serving them and giving them what they need. It happens very naturally right? It it does. And I think what's interesting about, again, about breastfeeding is that sometimes it can be a lost art. We see ourselves as a brand as sort of the big sister who's been through it before. So it's all going to be okay. Here's the support you need. Um, You can do it. And um, it's something like breastfeeding where it can be generationally lost, frankly, if you don't have someone in your family who did it, if you live far away from um, a support that um, might be the the family that you need or the, or the friends who have gone through it before. So um, being there um, is, again, a, a bit about what the brand voice is. It's like, you're not in this alone. We've done it before. You deserve all the support um, you can get. There are a lot of founders out there who, of course, put their bottom line first. And I firmly believe that when you put your why first and your your mission first, that the bottom line escalates and follows. And what would you tell a founder who is starting out about the importance of the community and your why and, and making that connection? Because do you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I think there are so many founders who don't want to put in the, you know, the extra effort to give the resources or to serve their community or to serve their audience. Like I, I very much view community and audience as different entities, but um, there are a lot of founders who just want to focus on their bottom line first. And oftentimes the important stuff gets lost. So absolutely mission 
for me is the most important thing. I, you know, was a brand strategist working for design. I needed to recruit people to the idea, which was mission oriented, that who were better than me, who knew what they were doing to join what Mama Ba was all about. And that is one of the uh, things I'm most proud about. The team that works for this mission and for this business are of the highest caliber, far better than I could ever dream of. And that also goes for the the mom um, community as well. And, you know, I hear and I get that it's hard to recruit people now and people have so many options, but we've just made like five hires and all of them, I'm like, wow, you want to come work for us? Because people believe in what you're doing. (laughs) Because people believe, especially now what we're doing, and they can be in all parts of the country. We do have a lot of folks that do live nearby in Vermont, but um, now that's even opened up. So I can recruit somebody based in Dallas or um, San Francisco because they want to do something meaningful with their lives. And that also translates to that mom community. And I think they feel that, authenticity that it really is about the mission. And um, we believe that we have made an impact. When um, my co-founder, Christine, and I first started, I think those numbers in 2013 were about 75% of women initiated breastfeeding. Um, and now it's that's ticked up to 85%. So those are meaningful data points. And i don't take full credit for that. Obviously, there's a lot of cultural momentum around health and wellness and and um, employee rights. But I do think that we are big part of that conversation and hopefully did influence that. Well, of course you did. And also, it's like you wanted to support this community and you wanted to show them that you were able to support them. And that's a trickle down effect because then they turn around and they continue to support each other. And then in turn, it comes back and supports you. And, you know, that's, it's, it's so important. It's important to share this because I think, like I said, so many founders don't, aren't, aren't like keen on their mission and they, and it's, they're very finance focused. And, um, you know, I even found when, I even found when my company was bought, but there was a very big shift to a financial focus. And in doing that, some of the mission and the why got got lost. And um, and you know, you you have a very passionate mission and a very passionate end consumer. And so it really it works nicely together. And I I say it and I want to say it so that the people listening can think about those those attributes and how they can instill them in their own businesses, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mission is it's just good business. And especially as um, someone who hadn't, you know, operated a big company before with manufacturing and so on, if you have that North Star, it really helps you make decisions. And Did you have to get funding, outside funding for this? Yep, we have. Um, because again, it, it's, you know, it's not software. It's we make a, a product that is um, made out of supplies and it's, it, it's not un- inexpensive. So um, and in 2015, um, we did a small funding round and we've done a few since then, but s- still majority owners. And what's next for you guys? Are you allowed to say? Can you say? Is there something? 
because <laughs> I'm looking at your face. <laughs> um, next is, is that, you know, it's been uh, hard work creating the market for something that didn't exist before, right? So it, we created a category and then there was just a lot of um, hands-on communications and sales. So what we are seeing is that the market is truly uh, tipping <laughs> to people understanding that this is just part of um, an employee uh, response, uh, employer responsibility in the same way that anything is like a, so, um, and answering to that demand is what we're working on. Um, employers do want to do better. They're having a harder time keeping employees, especially women. And so by having um, a, a lactation policy, having um, accommodations um, is, is what it's going to have to be. And so we're, we're there and ready and um, more consulting is something that we're doing in terms of policies and um, uh, back to work types of planning for our big employers, big enterprise accounts. So we're really excited and um, are really well positioned because we've been now doing it for <laughs> a while. And we just say like, oh, we already have all this stuff. We have all this content. We have all this expertise. Now let's um, help more employers um, utilize it. Amazing. What would you tell someone who's starting out three things? What would you tell them? Uh, the first thing would be to share your idea. I think there's an inclination for a lot of entrepreneurs to like keep it secret, but that idea needs oxygen in order to grow and to uh, try your best to uh, connect with others who you think can help on that. Um, have a mission. Absolutely have a mission. Um, because that'll attract um, great people to what you're uh, building to create and um, keep learning. So I uh, am happy to be on a podcast because I'm a voracious listener of podcasts. And I, I always learn about new ideas and books and, and um, I'm, uh, I think making sure that you're always spending time learning would be uh, a key one for me. Sasha Mayer, co-founder of Mamava, thank you so much for your time. I will never forget the first time I saw one of your pods. I'm fairly certain it was in Portland. I will also never forget when I first saw you that you came out, when I received a snapshot of that USA Today article. I have been a follower of yours for a long time. What you are doing is revolutionary. Please, please, please keep it up. Thank you. We are so grateful for the work you do too to celebrate all these great entrepreneurs and ideas. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Sasha Mayer as much as I loved sharing it. Like I said, I've been following Mom of Us since I ran into them in the Portland airport years and years ago and have always been just so captivated by the incredible product and support that they give to new moms. So if you know and expecting her a new mom, please make sure, make sure to share Mom of Us with them. Have them download the app. It is such a great savior for when you're out and about with your baby to be able to know that you have a place to go to feed your child. It's not a public restroom or a bench or whatnot, but it's somewhere clean and sanitized and honestly just a brand that is supporting you every step of the way. So 
Now is time to take out your pen and paper because there were some awesome takeaways from today's episode. Are you ready? Number one, brand values are incredibly important and having them prior to developing the product absolutely works. Number two, cultivating your community can lead to enterprise clients. When your community is in line with what you stand for, they ask for your product to solve an issue in their lives. Number three, and I will attest to this, moms work for you without employing them. They are your best word of mouth marketers. If you have a product that is targeted to moms, You have to make sure that you're showing up and serving them, giving them what they need, not necessarily what you need. When you do that, they will in turn share your product, your brand, your mission with everyone that you know. Number four, your mission is critical. Recruit people to subscribe to and join your mission and build a team around that. If you have that North Star, it really helps you to make good decisions. And number five, keep learning. Make sure that you are always learning. Thank you, Sasha Mayer and Mamava for being here today. And thank you to everyone who listened. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure that you take out your phone, scroll all the way down and click that five-star rating and review so that others can find us. We have some incredible guests coming up. You're going to want to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever it is that you listen. If you know someone who wants to start their own business or who has an idea, please share this episode with them. Also, if you know and expect and are a new mom, please share this episode with them. Make sure you tag me. I'll share some of those to say thank you. Stay tuned for another episode of Dear Founder coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.